at least July 26, 2022, which is uh, in excess of 120 days prior to the filing of the application. And um, staff also sent uh, uh, letters, uh, tenant response forms to all the units in the property. The one unit that is rented, they returned the form and they also confirmed that Ms. Donahue resides on the property. Uh, therefore, staff recommends that the board grant the exemption and adopt the attached findings of fact and conclusions of law. Thank you for that report. Uh, we have no request to speak on this item. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Great, I will entertain a motion. I'll make a motion that we uh, grant this exemption, adopt the findings of fact and conclusions of law. Second from anyone? I second the motion. Thank you, we have a, we have a motion and a second uh, to grant. Will you please call the roll? Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Commissioner Gwynn? Yes. Commissioner Ivanov? Yes. Vice Chair Leslie? Yes. Chair Foster? Yes. Motion carries. All right. Moving on to item 10B, we have an exemption for new construction, case number NCEX31663, 1015 Georgina Avenue. The applicant is O. Muhammad, owner. Can we have a staff report on this item, please? Yes. Uh, commissioners, Mr. Muhammad and his wife have filed an application to exempt this property, uh, this single-family home on this property as new construction. They bought the property in 1990 as a single-family home and have lived there ever since as their family residence. Uh, building records confirm that the prior owner, Ms. Monique Chemtob, had constructed a single-family dwelling on the property in 1986. A unit is eligible for a new construction exemption if it was built after the enactment of the rent control law and is not otherwise subject to the law through another uh, uh, basis, such as a, an Ellis removal or a rem uh, an Ellis withdrawal or a, a removal permit, none of those apply in this case. Um, and therefore, the staff recommends that the board grant the new construction exemption for the single family home. Uh, we have no request to speak on this item. I'm going to open discussion. Would you mind just highlighting for the board and for the public um, the history of these types of cases and these types of uh, exemptions? Um, when it appears to be a single family home, you might be wondering why are we even hearing this? Uh, they had not applied for this exemption since they had um, purchased the property. We actually um, determined that the owner had not been residing on the property through our exemption monitoring because the prior owner had obtained an owner occupancy exemption for this property instead. Um, and once we found out that the owner had sold the property and we lapsed that exemption, then the Mohammeds got in touch with us, and um, that's how they wound up applying for the new construction exemption. I'm going to back you up one step farther. What was the rental unit on the property? The, the rental unit on the property had been uh, previously, uh, there had used to be two units on the property. One unit had been demolished and replaced by that single family home. What had been left was a bootleg unit, um, that, and that bootleg unit, when they um, owner had obtained the owner occupancy exemption, they worked with the building department and they actually got rid of the bootleg unit. So all that's left on the property is that newly constructed single family home, which is why the case is before you in this manner. 
Great. Thank you so much. Uh, any other questions or discussion from board members? All right. I'd love to entertain a motion on this item. I move that we grant the new construction exemption. Do I hear a second? Second. second. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just, just beat you to the punch. Uh, seconded by Commissioner Gonska. Uh, moved by Commissioner Ivanov. We have the roll call, please. Yes. Commissioner Ivanov. Yes. Commissioner Gwynn. Yes. Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Vice Chair Leslie. Yes. Chair Foster. Yes. Motion carries. All right. Moving on to item 10C, an appeal. Item N0282, 1248 Princeton Street, Unit A, T. Vanson, Tenant. Can we have a staff report, please? Certainly. Commissioners, the landlord in this matter filed a tenant not an occupancy petition under Regulation 3304. The board adopted this regulation because the purpose of the rent control law is to alleviate the impacts of the housing shortage on housing affordability by controlling the price, the rent of the unit where a tenant actually lives, not by controlling a secondary residence. And under this line regulation, if a landlord believes that a tenant is not actually living in the unit um, uh, and is only using it as a secondary residence, uh, they can petition to find the tenant not in occupancy um, and the rent can be increased based on recent market rates. Uh, to prevail, the evidence must show that the tenant is, not, is no longer using their unit as their usual residence of return, as that term is defined un, in the regulation uh, through evidence under various listed factors, such as where the tenant uh, conducts basic living activities, what address the tenant has been using for their mailing address with government organizations or with utilities, and where a tenant's personal possessions are located. The, in this case, the record shows that Ms. Vanson relocated to her then-fiancé's home in Montecito, California at the outset of the pandemic when the state issued its shelter-in-place orders. The record is also clear that Ms. Vanson had not moved back into the unit um, after two years uh, subsequent to the pandemic's onset. And in the uh, appeal that's filed and in the written responses filed by the tenant, the tenant confirms that they still have not moved back. But under this regulation, even if a tenant has been absent for an extended period of time, there are certain li reasons listed for extended absences which are excused by the regulation. And these are things like uh, seasonal employment, uh, travel uh, for work, um, military service, or emergency care of family or friends. Um, Ms. Vanson didn't submit any evidence under any of these factors, but instead she states that she has not moved back because her unit is uninhabitable. The hearing officer acknowledged that even though uninhabitability, uninhabitability of a unit is not listed as a, a reason for excusing an extended absence, it is reasonable that if the conditions of a unit are severe enough to render it uninhabitable, that the tenant would still be absent. The record in this case shows that just prior to the pandemic, the heater in Ms. Vanson's unit stopped working. Code enforcement issued an order determining that the unit was uninhabitable 
because it lacked basic heating and ordered a temporary relocation, um, basically ordered the landlord to provide uh, funds or otherwise to temporarily relocate the tenant. And uh, Ms. Vanson actually uh, decided to forego the temporary relocation and stayed in the unit. Once the wall heater was fixed, the code enforcement determined that the unit was no longer uninhabitable and lifted the temporary relocation order. It was only, on, and that was on March 11th, 2020. It was only after the relocation order had been lifted, however, that Ms. Vanson relocated to Montecito because of the onset of the pandemic and all the issues that you recall back in March 2020. Um, there, the record does not contain any evidence subsequent to her relocation of a government agency having found the unit to be uninhabitable. Therefore, the hearing officer found that Ms. Vanson has been uh, not uh, absent from her unit for uh, over two years, um, that she didn't provide any reason, uh, any evidence for any of the listed reasons for an excused extended absence under the regulation, and that no government agency um, that enforces health and safety codes had found the unit to be uninhabitable, and therefore granted the tenant not an occupancy petition and adjusted the rents. The board reviews this matter as an appellate body, and as an appellate body, it should affirm the decision if it, the decision and its findings are supported by substantial evidence. Because substantial evidence in the record supports the hearing officer's decision, staff recommends that the board affirm it and to and its findings of fact and conclusions of law. Thank you very much. Before we proceed to the comments, do board members uh, have any questions for staff about the staff report before we hear from the public? Seeing none, uh, we will go ahead and hear from the parties. Um, first up, I have Talia Vanson, followed by Peter Melnick. Hi, when you're ready, you will have, let's see, where is the podium mic on? Uh, you'll have up to five minutes. You don't have to use the whole, but if you want to, you can. Trust me, I'm going to. Okay. And also, um, please limit everyone who, who are parties to the actions, please limit your comments to things that are in the record uh, or about the record. We cannot introduce new evidence uh, as an appellate body. Okay. First of all, um, thank you very much, um, I, I truly appreciate the board giving me an opportunity to appeal uh, this decision. Um, I'm a little nervous, so forgive me. I'm going to read some notes, okay? <laughs> so basically, I've been a tenant in, this, in my apartment, 1248 Princeton Street, since 1996. Things were fine when I first moved in, but then things changed because one of the reasons... Rent, with rent control, the fact that I was subject to the grandfather law that became different after 1999. I tried for decades to get the landlord to make repairs. I pleaded with him and only to get a very unpleasant response, to say the least. And I learned through the time that unless it's really urgent, like, for example, with my kitchen ceiling caved in, to not asking for anything. For example, not urgent was a non-workable non bathtub. I did not have a bathtub working for seven years. Um, 
So when March 22, Shelter Inn took place, uh, I'm just going to mention a few things. My apartment had, had not been painted since I first moved in. My oven was not usable. My bathtub, I couldn't use it. My toilet was loose on the foundation. I had holes in the walls. I had two-inch hole in my street facing the front door, which is the people, and I covered it because people could come in, and I had a homeless guy that kept looking into my apartment. I had broken window safety locks. So I did not feel safe. And um, obviously, I, you, you would ask yourself, why did I stay in, uh, all this time? I did stay for various reasons. One of them, yes, was rent control apartment. But the other thing is I love Santa Monica. My work is here. I involved, I'm involved. i a creative producer and an artist. I work with a lot of nonprofits, Save a Child Hard, Wounded Warriors, GLAD, and... My social is here. Everybody I know is in Santa Monica. And also now I know I view it as a classic abuser-abused relationship. And I did what a lot of women do. I stayed. So things changed when the pandemic came in. It was I felt not safe. I couldn't cook. It was shelter in. I didn't feel safe living in my apartment. Now, nobody knew how long Corona is going to happen. So I temporarily relocated to Montecito. At the time, I just wanted to fix Peter Melnick, who's not my fiance. He was my boyfriend. Corona continued, and no one knew how long it's going to be. A few months after that, Peter proposed to me. But we never saw a marriage in a conventional way. We both married in the much later years, even if you might think I'm 20. No, I'm joking. Uh, but anyway, everything in my life fell apart when... Everything in my life, apart from Peter, was Santa Monica. And also, here's one thing. I've been an independent single woman for most my entire life. And now that I'm married... I don't want to be penalized for it and thrown out of my rent-control apartment because my husband lives in Montecito. And because someone might think that marriage means I should be, like, living there too. So as the pandemic continued, I realized I had to do something because I really wanted to go back to Santa Monica. So I sent the landlord a lengthy repair lease in November 2020 and another one in April of 2021. Then on April 2021, I came to check my apartment and there was a plumbing issue. The water backed up into, from the bathtub, to the bathtub from the toilet, from the flush toilet. The landlord repaired it, but he accused me of basically putting tampons in it and basically uh, accused me for causing the blockage and asked me, told me to pay for it. He knew I wasn't living there because I told him when... Uh, sheltering start place that I could not stay there. But he ignored that, claimed he saw lights in my apartment at night that I proved that I lived there. When I, that happens, I realized there's no way to work with him. So in mid-April 2021, I, I hired an attorney to try to get the repairs done. It was the first time in over 25 years that I felt that I had some kind of protection. Two months later, he filed a petition claiming that exactly the opposite, that I hadn't lived in, in Santa Monica since May 2018, which he knew was false. Decision rejected this. I'm sorry, that, that's your time. If you'd like to finish your thought. Uh, anyway, I know there is a, is there a 
Anyway, I can ask you for another minute and a half. I'm sorry, we, we have five minutes to, to make that. So what we what we could potentially do is if 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 the other speaker wants to donate time, couldn't Mr. Melnick donate time to her? Um, no, this one is five minutes and five minutes. Everything is in the record, and so you have all the records before you. Can you turn your mic on if you're going to make comment? Yep. Um, the commissioners have access to the record. Each party is allowed five minutes only. Very sorry. Ma'am, I, I did say you could finish your thought and wrap up okay. for a few seconds. That is something we, we sometimes grant, but no more than that. Go, please feel free to go ahead. Okay. Um, there is, unfortunately, uh, with all respect to Ms. Bowles, uh, basically her decision uh, is not describing the whole facts. Um, and I know, basically, there is a structural problem here because the report, the staff report, is based on the decision, not the hearing records. And it's summarized. Thank you so much for your comments. We, we have to follow the rules. I'm so sorry. I know you have more to say, but that's your time. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Melnick, you have up to five minutes. Okay, um, I thank you for the time, and um, I have to say it's this was a six-day hearing, an extremely complicated matter, and it is incredibly hard to even attempt to get this done in five minutes or even ten minutes, but we'll give it a shot here. I'm going to make a few comments beyond what my wife offered. Um, picking up where she left off, um, the use of the word uninhabitability, has a lot's been talked about it. When she began this process, she did not understand. Uh, it's listed as the five minute box is checked on the chip. I was just going by that. I just want the board to be aware this is the same party. This is not the owner. Right. This is the tenant's whole thing. So this is, should be three minutes. Correct. The board can go ahead and hear it, but just be aware that this is, this is the same side. Right. Um, so the parties are the tenant themselves and the owner themselves. So you can have up to three minutes to speak. And I'm, I understand if we messed up your flow, we can start it over. I appreciate that very much. I think much. We, can, we can accommodate that. Thank you for that kindness. You're welcome. Um, regarding the word uninhabitability, when, when my wife, when Talia began to use that word, she didn't understand that it's a term of art that must be defined and qualified. What she understood it to mean is decrepit, broken down, a place you wouldn't want to, to live in and you shouldn't have to live in. She didn't understand that at the time, uh, and unfortunately, she didn't even understand it going into the hearing. When, in April of 2021, she decided to seek counsel to help her persuade the landlord, compel him to perform repairs, which was very important to her, the counsel, unfortunately, did not counsel her, did not advise her on the correct use of the word, so she continued to, to use it informally. Uh, had she known, she certainly wouldn't have, have predicated um, her response in this hearing on the use of that word. 
if you understand it to mean the place was really difficult to live in, it makes sense. Um, she also didn't understand that there were other options that she could avail herself of to get the landlord to perform, such as a notice to repair or restore. She learned of that at the hearing, in fact. Um, what, what I want to go on to say is that first, there were serious errors in, in the decision itself. There were, there were errors of, um, of misstating testimony. Mr. Ayubi, for example, was a handyman working for the landlord who uh, testified that in, the, in April of 2021, when he was there, he observed an apartment that was denuded of any personal objects. Under cross-examination, he was shown photographs that showed an apartment with clothes, with personal objects, effects, books, all kinds of stuff. He walked his statement back rather awkwardly and said, I, it's eight months ago, I don't know what I saw. Um, that's not a quote, but Ms. Bowles, in summarizing it, only referred to what happened under the examination, nothing of what somewhat impeached him in the cross. A more serious error, however, she made a, she made a statement regarding the, the landlord's response to repairs that was glaringly wrong. She said, quote, from page 2728 of the report, the record does not reflect a history or pattern of management failing to respond to repair requests. As Talia has expressed here, there is a long history exactly about that. The fact that that wasn't supported in her decision tends to nullify an argument that she put great time into, which was that this landlord has pursued constructive eviction in many respects, including harassment. Um, she ignored, oh, I see my time is almost up. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to something else. The problems with this, with this decision can't be found in looking at the decision itself. And that's the problem with the staff report. The staff report reports what was in the decision. The problems can be only detected if you look at the gap between the decision and the actual record. That's not an easy thing to do. But in the interest of justice, that's what I think must happen here. So I hope that Talia has made a case for reversal. But if not, I Thank you for your comments. All right, the next two speakers are Linda Kim, attorney for the petitioner, and Andreas Ionis. So one of the two of you can have five minutes. Which one of you wants the five minutes? Um, I don't think that I'll need all five minutes. So okay. I'm go, going to go start, ahead. and then um, if I do have a few minutes left, then I'll um, reserve for rebuttal, but I'll allow my client to have the five minutes. Um, good, good evening. My name is Linda Kim, and I represent the owner. Um, we very much appreciate and agree with the staff report recommending that the board affirm the decision of the hearing officer that there is substantial evidence in the record to reasonably support the hearing officer's approval of owner's petition, finding that uh, Ms. Vanson is a tenant not in occupancy. And um, you heard Ms. Vanson speak about specific, specific testimony and the details. Um, we submit to the record in this case, which is extensive and large, is significant, probably more than half of it was uh, regarding the habitability issue. Um, 
this and and uh, the record will also reflect that Ms. Vanson throughout the process was represented by capable counsel who is not um, present today. Um, and in a, in a case like this, and in this case, um, it's not a situation where it's he said and she said. And I'll submit that my client disagrees with almost everything that Ms. Vanson said. Um, but instead of going through and rebutting each of those comments, what's critical is there was additional evidence that um, that is neutral, that was presented, and this is evidence that Ms. Bull um, properly relied upon to come to her decision. And uh, specifically, the code enforcement officer, Mr. Blanco, testified, and again, this is even before she moved out of the unit, regarding the heater repair he testified that the time that it took the landlord to make the repair and reinstall a brand new wall heater, which required permitting during COVID, um, pre, this is pre-COVID time, was really good time frame. Um, again, you know, we have the city's own employees saying that the repairs were made in a timely manner. Um, also significant is that there is no evidence um, of uninhabitability determination during the relevant time period, whereas there was plenty of evidence that Ms. Van Sun in the past had gone to code enforcement, had gone to the county to try to complain, had called the city attorney's office, <clears throat> Yet there is no evidence, no record that any of those um, were followed through by any of those agencies. So um, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Does anyone have any questions for any of the parties at this point? Thank you so much. And the next speaker is, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce your last name, Andreas Ionen? Close enough. Close enough. All right. You may start when you're ready. Hello, everyone. My name is Andreas Iwanu, and I am the co-owner and designated property manager of 1248 Princeton Street. I'm also the petitioner in this matter. I want to start off by thanking the Rent Control Board for its time and resources throughout the entirety of this process, which included six days of hearings and a great deal of administrative attention on the back end. I also want to thank the board for its time today. I agree with the findings of the hearing officer's decision, the subsequent staff report, and the supplemental staff report. I feel they are a fair and appropriate reflection of this case. 1248 Princeton Street is a fourplex that has been owned by our family since 1987 and is near and dear to our hearts. Since 1987, my family has put a tremendous amount of work into the building, ranging from drought-resistant landscaping improvements to new electrical, repiping, new roofing, new flooring, and weatherproof windows. In addition to my duties as an owner and property manager, I am a lifetime LA resident and have worked full-time locally in healthcare, including in Santa Monica for the past 10 years. At the onset of the pandemic, I was also part of a local health systems COVID task force and am knowledgeable of its impact on our community. I filed this petition back in June of 2021 after it became abundantly clear that Ms. Fanson had stopped living in the unit. This fact is uncontroverted by either party. 
Unit A is a ground floor unit that is closest to and most visible, visible from Princeton Street. During my frequent visits to the building over the last three years, the unit constantly appears pitch dark and obviously empty while the other units are lit up. Throughout the day, <clears throat> Unit A's blinds are completely shut with no fresh air or light entering the unit. I am constantly removing advertisements that are placed on the unit's door, as when these flyers are left for long periods of time, they serve as one of many signals to prospective squatters, vandals, and thieves to target the unit. In fact, during the first, during the first year of the pandemic, we had a tenant and neighbor report suspicious people congregating in front of the unit during the late hours of the night. As stated in the hearings, hearing officer's decision, this led us to installing surveillance cameras in the common areas of the building to help deter trespassers and protect the building. Since installing the cameras, we've observed suspicious people attempting to peer through the window of Unit A, knock on, and attempt to open the door, and even transients using the hose next door to bathe. Excuse me, using the hose next to the door to bathe. Ms. Vance's now nearly three years absence from the unit continues to pose serious security and safety concerns to the property, its other residents, and our neighbors. In our continuing efforts to find to, excuse me, in our continuing efforts to fend against additional risk to residents and potential damage to property created by Ms. Vanson's three-year absence, we've had to increase our efforts in monitoring and safekeeping the property. My family fears it is only a matter of time before we have a break-in resulting in a squatter situation or even worse. There is also substantial concern that if an emergent issue occurred in the unit, i.e. bursted pipe, gas leak, etc., Nobody would be present to report it, resulting in serious risk to the neighboring tenants and significant damage to the property. We have no issue with Ms. Vanson continuing her tenancy at the property. We are happy that Ms. Vanson found love and happiness in living in Montecito with her husband of two years in his $9 million home. However, there are rules and regulations in place for rent-controlled units, and her decision to move out of Unit A and into her husband's home conflicts with Regulation 3304. If you have any questions, I am happy to answer them. And if not, I thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right, we have no further requests to speak on this item. Uh, Chair, I I'm very sorry. Yes, Council. I went and reviewed the regulations. The majority, if the more, if the board, if a majority of the board votes to allow a speaker more time, you can do that. So I wanted to make sure you had, you knew you had that option. Yes. Uh, and typically the chair will respond to her colleagues if they w wish to allow it. Otherwise, then I took the lead to allow her to finish her thought and there was no other discussion of it. So I'm comfortable with the way we proceeded, but thank you for the clarification. Um, all right, we're going to enter discussion now, and if uh, you guys want to make comment on this case, now is the time to start. We have Commissioner Gwynn first up in the queue. So first of all, I want to um, applaud the hearing officer in this because of the amount of work in this. Um, it, on the surface, these kind of cases look like they should be a slam dunk, easy thing to do, but as we see in this one, um, they become very complex because of underlying tones that move into this and for a six-day hearing to do this um, um, and also the fact that she brought into play things that weren't specific in the regulation such as a reason for a absence from a unit and in this case it was the pandemic um, which obviously is an obvious reason that would be accepted um, based on the regulations. Um, 
And while that is a reason, there has to be an end game in that situation. Um, COVID was a reason for her to be gone for quite some time in this case. Um, and however, there has to be an end game. And I think the proof or the evidence that was brought up in this case um, proved that she was not occupying the unit during this period of time from March of 2020 um, through to current. And um, she herself, Ms. Vanson, said in her testimony in the hearing that she was not living in this unit. Um, so I think the evidence and her comments support that. I think where the, the problem becomes, and we heard this over and over in both in this uh, hearing um, officer's decision and in the rebuttals from in the tenant, um, the, the um, Ms. Vanson, that habitability is a word that keeps coming up in this situation. And therefore, I think the only thing that, that, that she has come to rely on is this to re, as a reason for her not returning to her unit. And I understand that maybe she didn't understand the, the, the reasoning, what habitability means as far as it comes down into a hearing like this. But like any law, just because you don't, understand it or you don't know about it doesn't excuse you from obeying that law. And in this case, um, while there was a point where it was uninhabitable, this was before March of 2020. And um, since then, the unit is habitable as far as um, any government agency and any law says. And I don't, I fully understand there may be maintenance issues in this unit. There may be, but that doesn't make the unit habitable unless it's proclaimed unhabitable. That word is amazingly hard to say numerous times. <laughs> um, so because of all that, unless commissioners, other commissioners have other reasonings, I just can't find any reason that we wouldn't um, uphold this, uh, deny the appeal and uphold the uh, petitioner's request. Thank you for that. Anyone else? Okay, I'll go. Um, because I feel like this is an important type of case, and it's always a learning opportunity for the public, especially to and, uh, educate themselves and, and for us to do our job thoroughly, can staff tell us uh, just a bit about what happens during the time period a landlord is making their prima facie case that a tenant might not be in occupancy. My question is, is there a curing, is there an opportunity to cure, or is it just the past? And if the past is provable, then the hearing officer is compelled to find in favor of the petitioner. So <clears throat> the way that the prima facie aspect of this um, process and the whole process works is when the landlord submits their 
um, petition and they submit the documentation that they, uh, the evidence um, that they have with the petition, then as, uh, the hearings department staff reviews that application to see if there's a prima facie a case that to be made. If the evidence, if you take it as it is, is sufficient to prove the matter that's being sought. And that's exactly what happened in this case. And then the matter is scheduled for the parties are notified, the case is accepted for filing, and um, the matter is scheduled for mediation usually, um, uh, and then for a hearing if things aren't resolved in that matter. In the context of a um, tenant not an occupancy petition, it's quite factual. It depends on um, what exactly are the reasons, and this and uh, this board um, prior to this one, including when you've been uh, during the time that you've been here, you've seen various versions of facts that come here. Mm -hmm. Some people have been away because they've been taking care of other people. Um, there's all kinds of reasons for which people are not in a unit, and so those are analyzed under the um, factors that are listed in the regulations, including the factors for an excused extended absence. Um, and uh, so that's that's the approach and the basic contours of this process as far as a tenant on occupancy petition. Thank you for that clarification. I find that helpful. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of long-term tenants don't get treated exactly the same as market rate tenants in some cases. Not all, but in some cases. Uh, I've seen it. Other advocates have seen it. Um, but it is not a basis... Uh, to declare in your in your own view whether something's habitable or not habitable. We do have petition processes, and it's the only tool, you know, we have to offer um, a tenant in that particular claim where you think there are things that are not what you contracted for or not in good repair. The petition processes we have for rent re decrease petitions, that's all we have. And so if those are not... Um, you know, tenants uh, and landlords both have a responsibility to understand our charter and our processes that we have. And so it's, it's really tough when we, when we see a, a tough case. But both parties have to familiarize themselves with the law. And like uh, Commissioner Ivanov said, if you're driving down the road and a cop pulls you over and says, well, you were doing 40 and a 30, you say, well, I didn't know it was a 30. I didn't see any signs. It's not a, it's not a defense uh, in court. So... Um, Tonight, what we're here to do is to decide if there was clear error or not in the hearing officer's decision-making process. And I agree with uh, Commissioner Gwynn that I can find none. Uh, there was no clear error in this decision and uh, no basis to, for me, in my opinion, to change what we see in the staff report and in the findings of the hearing officer in this case. Um, Seeing no other comments, would anyone like to make a motion? Commissioner Leslie. I move that we uh, uphold the, the previous ruling. And deny the appeal. And deny the appeal. Do we have a second? I need a second. <laughs> Second. <laughs> okay. We have a motion and a second. Thank you. Um, we call the roll, please. Yes. Commissioner Gwynn. Yes. Commissioner Ivanov. Yes. Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Vice Chair Leslie. Yes. Chair Foster. Yes. Motion carries. 
All right. Item 15 is listed as written communications. Those are essentially letters that have been written to us by the public uh, on matters that are within our jurisdiction area. They are just to be treated like public comment, like anything else. Uh, those are available for the public to read if they so choose, but that's all we're going to say about it here. And staff will uh, respond to written communications. Uh, that's it, folks. Our next regular meeting will be Thursday, March 9th at 7 p.m. in this chamber. And uh, we hope to see members of the public there who want to learn about the rent control law. Uh, can we entertain a motion to adjourn? I make a motion to adjourn. Second. All right. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 We are adjourned. I like to bang the gap. <laughs>